MLS Rivalry Weekend lived up to all expectations and kicked off what will sure be an exciting and busy week of American soccer. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Gularsep. What's going on, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, as you say. It's, it feels like every week we talk. We talk about the week ahead and the week that just passed, and they're all crazy weeks. That's just the summer that it's been, and the mm-hmm. summer that it continues to be. And this week is no different. We we come off in a, a crazy rivalry weekend of MLS action, and now we're right back into it. We're jumping in women's World Cup, Gold Cup. It's cut around the corner. It's crazy. You have Open Cup you can throw in there. Also, you have transfer news. I, you have look, Open Cup. I'm, I'm going to go to Lim Ivis. I'm going to say this summer is way better than last year's summer that had the World Cup. I mean, that was so boring. We just had the World Cup. That was it. I mean, this year, look at all the uh, stuff we get to talk hey, listen, about. Uh, hey, I spent six weeks in Brazil, so I don't know. I, don't I know heard it was pretty bad from what I've been told. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I don't know, I don't know if I go that far. Uh, but no, it's great. I mean, yeah, in terms of in terms of soccer overall from like for the for the entire summer, absolutely. It's it's there's just much more going on. I mean, yeah, like you said, you had, this summer Women's World Cup, under 20 World Cup, let's not forget that 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 would that, that led into this whole thing. Uh then we have the Gold Cup kicking off next week and uh and now the US, US Open Cup is 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 uh Reaching what I feel to be new heights in terms of uh, interest among among American soccer fans, so all of that is just brewing and and it's giving us plenty to talk about. So we ha- we have a lot to catch up on. Well, exactly right. And MLS rivalry weekend, some outstanding games, um, tons of heated competitions, especially in this one. Definitely a tale of two halves between NYCFC and the New York Red Bulls. Who NYCFC? Everything is perfect for them. Gets off to a great start. Thomas McNamara scores the opening goal. And then a total letdown in the second half. And the Red Bulls are able to go on and defeat NYCFC 3-1. to That's the second victory for them this season against the new expansion side in New York. And look, there's one thing in life, soccer. I mean, there's one thing in life, Ivis, as you know. You have to beat your rivals. And Red Bulls so far, 2-0 against New York City FC. Well, it's a big win for them. And uh, first thing, before we even get into the win... It was unbelievable, the atmosphere. I went out to Yankee Stadium. I actually did the public transportation uh, commute out there from Jersey all the way over there. It took me like two hours, which is not normal. It's normally probably take like an hour uh, or maybe an hour and a half tops. But Two uh, hours? Just, yeah, because there was trains. That, there were some trains that weren't running, so you had to take extra trains. And, and it, you know, it, it was fine, though. It, and getting into the city uh was a pain uh taking the bus in and there was a per you know obviously the, there was actually a gay pride parade in new york so that added to the traffic and it was it was a lot of stuff going on in new york but the the, the great thing was was the you, the sense you got that there was a big game that there was a big soccer game and you know i've been to derbies um in mls i mean in, i've been to derbies in u.s i've been to derbies abroad and uh, and I feel like this felt this felt like the first like real kind of like a big city mm-hmm. derby in America. Like and that's not a slight. I don't mean that as a slight against, uh, the, you know, the, the derbies that, that that you have here. I mean, Seattle, obviously, uh, match days in Seattle are amazing with all the people there. Portland, the match days are great. Uh, a lot a lot of places have great match days. But just in terms of being on a subway that absolutely packed subway uh, train with with fans you know with soccer fans i mean that's the kind of thing that like i'm used to feeling uh overseas you know like whether i was in i can remember being in germany for the world cup uh and being on trains in germany that were just packed with fans heading to the game and you just love that atmosphere and you just love feeling like you're a part of something like that and that's what you felt this weekend i mean as you made you know for anyone that made their way to yankee stadium and i gotta say when i got there just seeing all the blue all the fans in blue and i know there's a lot of cynical uh fans out there that are like oh who are these people where did they come from where have they been for 20 years all of a sudden now they're into mls and listen i've been saying it for years that new york city was a city that had tons of soccer fans who just never bought into the Red Bulls, the Metro Stars, and into MLS. It was a, like a team in New Jersey. They never really got connected to it. And I've said it for so many years that if you put a team in New York proper, in New York City proper, it would blow up. And and, and, and it's so funny how for so long uh, fans from outside of this area would, would laugh at that. They would absolutely refuse to believe that because all they know is uh, Red Bull Arena or, or Giant Stadium being empty, half empty. Well, you saw it on Sunday. Why 
they why MLS wanted this team in New York City because it mm-hmm. can capture the imagination and capture the interest of all these fans that are there. And now you know, and now may hopefully now people realize it, and hopefully now people can see. Ah, so that's why they put another team there. Well, look, just looking at the game for the Red Bulls, I mean, look, to have Bradley Wright Phillips get, you know, at a goal, that's outstanding. You need to get him going. But more importantly, I mean, dude, Matt Miazga, Ivis, I want to talk about him for a second. He won impressed with the U-20s at the World Cup. And so far throughout MLS this season, I mean, he's looked outstanding. I mean, he had another good game here. I mean, he's a young player. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But just consistent performances from him here. I mean, if you're a Red Bull fan, I mean, you just have to be very, very happy with the performances and development you're seeing out of him. No, he was great. He was great. But look, before we even get into the individual performances, just from a team standpoint, this was a huge win for the Red Bulls. And and when you saw how the game was going, uh, NYCFC, they get off to the early lead, 1-0. The the place is going nuts. They show and they show Pirlo and Lampard on the big screen. Uh, and, and, and it's just this whole sense like, holy crap, NYCFC is just taking over. They're just taking over New York. The... Red Bulls are going to be squashed into oblivion, right? That's It felt that way. It felt like there was this momentum swing. But what happened? It looks like NYCFC got a little complacent. They got a little full of themselves. They got a little overconfident. And the Red Bulls, to their credit, took advantage and, and, and got off the mat and took it to NYCFC. And then the second half, they blew it open 3-1. to one, And they showed the quality that they had. And, you know, I, I've been saying for for a long time, I, still, I, I had my doubts about them. I still have my doubts about them. But they showed me something in this game because of the way, because the way they responded and the way uh, so many of their players stepped up in that environment. I mean, it was sold out. It was a sold out stadium. And, you know, you hear about sellouts all the time, especially in MLS that aren't really sellouts. But this Yankee Stadium was packed. Upper deck. Like every every nook and cranny of that place, it was jam packed, uh, and in that atmosphere, you had a lot of guys step up. Yes, Miazga was definitely one, uh, but obviously Sasha Kleshin, who had a hand in all the yep. goals. I mean, he you got you got to talk about him. Uh, Bradley Ray Phillips, Luis Robles, Chris Duval. I mean, it, it, you can go you can run down the line. Great team performance, and and they needed it. They needed it. They needed it for so many reasons. They needed it uh, to really start turning things around after that losing streak. And also to stay ahead of NYCFC because, you know what, they they need to stay ahead of them in the standings. NYCFC's got reinforcements coming. If they would have lost this game, they, these teams would have been tied on points with NYCFC bringing Pirlo and Lampard. And we can discuss Pirlo in a bit. But NYCFC will be fine. I think they're going to be a force in the second half. They really are in position to be a playoff team. But at least for this weekend, NY, uh, the Red Bulls were able to hold off the the taking over of New York City and last thing I got to say credit to the Red Bulls fans that showed up it looked like they had the three thousand fans up in the upper deck all in red you had the whole section in red if you go on my Instagram account you can see the photo of them in the upper deck and it was just they brought it man it was three thousand against forty five thousand and you heard the, those you heard that three thousand not only did you hear them but they had the they had the perfectly time chance uh, so not only did the Red Bulls win on the day but their fans won on the day. Well, in talking about Pirlo, you mentioned that he was on the jumbo, scr- uh, jumbo screen. Excuse me, uh, he was also at the Yankees game. At this point, Ivis, I mean, it seems just like any day now it will be announced that he'll be playing for New York City FC. And having him and Frank Lampard, I mean, that's going to be a massive boost for them in the second half of the season. Well, I'll tell you, when they when they showed the two of them together, it was it was a sight to see, and it, it really did kind of confirm the the reality that he's that they're going to sign him. Um, you know, they, there was a lot of talk that the, the deal still was still not being done, but it's going to be done. So at this point, they're just finalizing some things. Now, I wrote a story for Gold.com uh, on Sunday night about the latest on that situation. And basically, from my understanding, from what I've been told, uh, they're, they're, they're going to complete it this week. They're going to announce it this week. He is not in the U.S. anymore. He went back to Europe. He's going to be I guess he's going to probably finish his vacation. Let's not forget, he his his season went all the way into June with the Champions League final. Uh, so he needs a vacation, right? So he's got to take a like a proper vacation, uh, take some time to decompress, and he will be back later in July, uh, and uh, and actually make his debut later in July. July twenty sixth against Orlando is looking like uh, a date for his debut if everything goes well. But that's going to be huge. Frank Lampard's going to he's going to start training this week for them. He should make his debut on the twelfth, I believe, against Toronto FC at home. Um, so I mean. 
they're going to be here in, in NYCFC, man. They're going to be a force with those two guys. Well, moving over to the uh, to the West Coast on the complete opposite side of the country, the Portland Timbers defeated the Seattle Sounders four to one. I'm not going to praise Portland for that too much because look. They should have beat Seattle by that much, especially with Seattle missing Clint Dempsey, also missing Obafemi Martins, uh, Alonzo. Seattle looks struggling right now. Portland handing them their third loss in a row. But like we said, Portland, they need to take care of business. They did against Seattle, you know, handing them a 4-1 to win. Darlington Nagby was outstanding in this game. I couldn't believe that was his first goal this season for Portland. And uh, Ivis, man, Portland is playing on another level right now. They are playing out of their minds. Well, in that game, they definitely were. I mean, let's not forget last Wednesday they got smoked by the Galaxy, right? That, 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 so that was, was a, that's a midweek game. What are you talking about? Hey, look, they've won five out of six. They're all of a sudden climbing up the, what still climbing up the ladder, uh, in the in the overall standings. Right now, they have the fourth best record in the league. And think about that. They were, it was, it feels like it was only, ju- it, and it was, it was only a few weeks ago that they were sitting in last place in the West. Um, or maybe they weren't all the way in last place, but they were out of the playoff. Actually, that's what it was. They were out of a playoff position. They were pretty deep in the standings, and then they went on this run five out of six. Uh, and credit to that, credit to Portland, credit to Darlington Nagby finally finding the net. Mm-hmm. Great goal. The Timbers are definitely going to be hoping that he can now get it going and show and be and get back to being that that goal, uh, you know, that goal scorer that they want him to be and they need him to be. And I know there's been some talk about has he kind of lost has he has he kind of lost his swagger, has he lost his uh what made him one uh, such a special player, one of the best attacking players, most underrated attacking players in the league. And in this game he definitely was a handful. He definitely got up for this game and if he can keep that going, the Timbers are going to be right there, one of the top teams in the league, and 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 everything's clicking right now for Caleb Porter's team. Yeah, and everyone's back and healthy. Will Johnson, I mean, you get him playing the full 90. Diego Valeri's back. Um, you also had Rodney Wallace signing in this match, too. I mean, that's huge, having a guy like Rodney Wallace coming off your bench. I mean, a lot of teams would kill to have a guy like that. Um, so Portland, like like you just said, man, playing really well right now. Seattle, though, on the other hand, like I, I know you're missing your best three players. But still, three-match losing streak, and you just look lifeless in your last three matches. Siggy Smith-Ivis needs to figure out something pretty quickly here. He needs to circle the wagons. Well, look, you you knew when they were missing Martins and Dempsey that it was going to be a problem, right? And even Alonzo, right? Is he did he? Uh... Alonzo was not in this game. I mean, they like said you're missing right. your best so, three players. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry, so, all the uh, Brad Evans fans out there, but I mean, those are your best <laughs> yeah. three. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not. It shouldn't be a surprise that they're going to struggle. And 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 what I do find interesting is I know there was a lot of talk about Clint Dempsey's suspension and you know how it was a slap on the wrist and it was pretty light. But think about this now: they suspended him for three games, right? In MLS, Seattle zero and three in those games. Now that's that's a pretty good harsh pun. That's that's punishment right there. That is. That's some that's some pretty good punishment right there. So I you know I so I think when you look at it when it's all said and done, I think Dempsey got a pretty fair a uh, pretty fair punishment. I think Seattle got a pretty fair punishment in the whole deal. But yeah, no, the Sounders definitely you know you 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 see them as a team that that has depth. At least you've always thought of them as a team that that prided themselves on having some pretty good depth. But that depth has not stepped up mm. in these recent games. And and Portland, you can chalk it up to hey, listen. You can't expect them to, to to necessarily beat Portland in Portland without the three best players, but then you go back to the midweek game that they lost. You know that that comes back to haunt you. So I, I think they'll be. They look. They're going to be fine. I, I, no one should be worried about it. But you had to know they were going to struggle without these guys. Oh, of course. Well, and the one thing is, I mean, coming up on Saturday. Seattle will be playing DC United with no Dempsey there. I mean, look, Seattle's going to have to call uh, Jurgen Klinsmann and say, "Can we please get Dempsey back? Do not play him against Guatemala. Let let can we have him back this Saturday?" Because I mean, I'm just saying, looking at Seattle, they could be on a four match losing streak. It does get easier though, because then you get Chicago and Colorado, so you can write the ship that way. That's nice. That's a nice double right there. Yeah, that's not that's not too bad. That's what you call the six point swing. Yeah. So you know, Dempsey will be. I mean, he's he's going to be out for the rest of the Gold Cup. But you're right. I mean, other players on Seattle are going to have to step up. I mean, I, I know a lot of pressures right now on Marco Papa, and, and you definitely watch him play. I mean, he looks like he's just trying to do too much. He's trying to step up. Um, guys like Lamar Nagel need to step up. Chad Barrett. I mean, there's just a lot of guys on this team that really need. You know, there has to be other guys that can put the, this team on their back right now with with these absences. And the, with the good thing for Seattle, though, I mean, look, you get off to a hot start, you can you can kind of have this midseason drop in performance and still be able to make the playoffs so like you said i mean i don't think this is gonna be the end of the world for seattle look back at two months and it was just a uh uh, a summer drop for them happens to everybody it's mls yes yes it does nobody rolls through the entire season 
without at least at least a dip, at least one dip in form. And ideally, you want to get it out of the way in the summer. You don't want that happening in the fall later in the year. Uh, and and I'm pretty confident in Seattle when 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 it gets down when we get into the colder weather in the fall. And the playoffs will start rolling around. Seattle's still going to be right there. But for right now, they're a mess. One, one other thing, though. Portland, though, Ivis, um, just watching this team is, I mean, this this is for sure, you have to say, probably the most complete Portland Timbers team since Caleb Porter has taken over. Uh, it's a pretty good team. I mean, I I, I, I think I need some of, the, some of their guys to be a little more consistent. I mean, obviously, Diego Larry's been dealing with injuries. Nagby's been slumping a bit. But I feel like the, the team that won, that finished on top of the West his first year, was pretty damn good. And, you know, you could definitely argue that maybe the defense is better now. But I don't know. I'm not ready yet to say that they're as good as that team that Porter had his first year. And, again, they finished just outside the, the Supporters' Shield, and they t- they finished first in the West that year. So Portland's not there yet. And staying on the West Coast, the San Jose Earthquakes defeated the LA Galaxy 3-1. to uh, After LA went up a goal, San Jose then scored three goals. Chris Wondolowski, Clarence Goodson, um, they get in the goals for San Jose in this one. And uh, for LA, who just looked like they were just laying a beating on every single team over the last like week and a half, finally meets their demise against San Jose. And San Jose, man, the Ivis, once again, man, they are a tough team to play, especially against some of the better teams in the league. They're they're a handful, no doubt, no doubt about it. And look, not to make excuses for LA, but two things definitely worked against them in this whole situation. Number one, they played midweek, and you know that that's going to wear on your legs a bit. See, uh, San Jose definitely had had the rest factor in their favor, mm-hmm. which for a team like them that is so difficult to break down as it is, that uh, you know that that edge gets even more pronounced when when they can kind of uh, get you out of your comfort zone. The second thing, obviously, Omar Gonzalez coming out of the game. Uh, with you know what looked like precautionary for potential concussion issue, once he came out of the game, their defense just fell apart. And it, and and you know, it, you'd like to see them respond a little better than they did when they lose their best defender. But it was clear once he came out of the game, it was a different game and it was a different Galaxy team. And they really laid an egg. They played terribly from then on. Credits of the earthquakes. They kind of smelled the blood and they jumped on them and they, and they, and they uh, mm-hmm. you know they didn't let they didn't let up and they and they had they posted the kind of win that makes you look at them and say you know what this is a serious team here this is a serious playoff contender uh, which is you know a testament to the job Dom Kinnear's done I mean he and you know he, he it's not nothing new right I mean the guys had success uh, throughout his career as a coach in MLS but now this particular reclamation project is really coming together nicely. Do I think they have the, everything they need to be a true top contender for one of the top spots in the West? I still think they, they there's something. There's no way. If they squeak in, they'll squeak in as a sixth seed. There's no I way. Know, I, I, I know, but what I'm saying is that they're not a team that, for me, is going to be a top three team or even a top four team. Yeah, top, like, but, but, what you're saying is they're a team in the playoffs, you know, you know, at any minute, at any moment in a series, they can buckle down to defeat you. I mean, they would be a very tough opponent in the playoffs. They'll, they'll be a handful, but but I still think they're they're at least a player away, uh, particularly in the attack. I think they, they could use one more attacking player. But having said that, the job Kinnear's done at this point is outstanding, especially think about they got the new stadium, you're definitely trying to pack that place. You're trying to impress new fans that might be coming in, and and you know uh, they're doing that. They're they're playing they're playing well, especially at home. But uh, Matias Perez Garcia is really coming into his own now and really looking like the the player they hoped he'd be when they signed him. So you know it's looking good right now for San Jose. And FC Dallas, Ivis finally picked up their first victory in what has seemed like forever. Okay, not forever, but last victory was on May 9th for them. But FC Dallas, man, defeating Houston Dynamo 2-0-1, you get a victory. Two, you defeat your rival. Wasn't the greatest performance from FC Dallas, but look, at this point, they needed a win, and they got it in any way possible against the Dynamo this past weekend. Gotta say, man, Houston looked pretty terrible in this game. And credit to FC Dallas, not to take anything away from them, but... For a team that was in a rivalry matchup, uh, you just expect more out of what Houston what Houston gave you, and and obviously there were, when you look at some of the other teams that were in rivalry games that got blown out, um, Seattle, uh, NYCFC, I, I just think this Houston team in this game was pretty flat. They were pretty flat. And look, credit mm-hmm. to, credit to FC Dallas, Mauro Diaz, Fabian Castillo. You know, shortly after I was ripping into their attack and how they needed another another piece at least another piece or two in their attack, 
uh, their attack looked pretty good. And and Castillo and Diaz can cause problems, especially against against slower defenses. And I think Houston's defense is a little slower than than than, than the the very top defenses in the league. And credit to FC Dallas, but it, we'll see what this means going forward because. It's one thing to beat a Houston team that's that's suddenly in a big slump. It's another thing to go up now and, and try to beat some of the better teams in the league. Mm-hmm. That's true. But look, Dallas gets a win, and that's what they need to do. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, they now are on a three-match winning streak. They defeated the New England Revolution, and, uh, and the game was over pretty quickly. Vancouver scores two goals, goes up a man, and after that, they just cruise New England Revolution. They're on a three-match losing streak. I mean, clearly two teams going in complete opposite directions in this match. Credit to the Whitecaps, man, to go all the way across the country and win a big road game. Uh, that's huge for them. And, and they're posi- positioning themselves pretty well. Um, New England, obviously, you're going to feel a little un- uh, a little unlucky, a little hard done by the red card that Andrew Farrell drew in the beginning of that game. And for me, was it a red card? I, absolutely not. I didn't think it was. I mean, it, 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 it looked like he might have touched his hand uh, to share his hand. And look, I get to share is a small guy, but... Someone touching your hand should not make you fall down. That's uh, I'm sorry. It was a bit of a, I, I, you know, it looked like a little bit of a die for me. But uh, credit to Vancouver. They, they they took care of it. And David, I got to say, David Ostad, you know, for me, he's been the best goalkeeper in the league first half of the season. I mean, I think, uh, you know, being that he's in Vancouver, he might not get the same hype as maybe some of the other goalkeepers in the league, like mm-hmm. Bill Hamid, Nick Romando, uh, Nick Romando. But uh, you know what, David Osted, man, for me, Osted's been a beast, and he's really had to come up and make some really big saves. Uh, that Whitecaps defense isn't as you know strong as as they've had in the past. I think their defense is a little vulnerable, but he has come up, especially the last few weeks. He's come up with some huge saves and really having himself a big year. Um, I got to say, Sporting Kansas City has been on quite a nice run over their last. Uh, over the last nine games. So they have one loss in the last nine games, and they defeated the Colorado Rapids this past weekend, 2-0. to zero. And uh, for the Rapids, I mean, is there any way for them to just to raise the white flag and just admit defeat for the season? I don't know, man. They need to hit the reset button. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, let's talk. We, we can talk a little about sporting KC and, and not try not to talk about Colorado because they're a mess. Um, KC, man, they're, they're clicking. They're, they're playing well. They're on a roll in the West. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them um, just battle those top teams in the West to try to maintain a top three spot in the West. Because, you know, you figure you got L.A., you got Seattle, you got now Portland's in that conversation, Vancouver. Um, so now you got five teams that are all going to be vying for the top four spots. Yep. And, and and it's it's going to be a really – it's going to be a fierce battle, man. And I, it, it's, anybody's, it's anybody's call. But, I mean, for me, look, I, obviously KC was a team that – coming into the year, I thought would surprise people. And I thought people were really sleeping on. And then they, even with the injuries that they had, they've overcome those. I mean, remember, Ike Parr was probably the best defender in the league at the time of his torn Achilles. And they lose him, and they've managed to still keep it rolling. Kevin Ellis sliding right in and playing well for them. So you got to get, you know, for me, you got to give Peter Vermees a lot of credit because with the year that they've had, the things they've had to overcome, he's done a great job. And the Philadelphia Union and Montreal Impact played to a 2-2 draw. For Philadelphia, that's four points this past week for them. And and based off just how this team is struggling over the over the, you know the course of the season, that's big for them, especially in this game. When you're down 2-1, to one, you score the opening goal. All of a sudden, it looks like you're going to lose all the points in this game. Marisa Du is able to score an equalizer for them. Save is at least a point. And for Philadelphia, I mean, four points this past week? I mean, something to build upon, and hopefully they can move forward. I, I don't know. We have to see it, but a good result for them against Montreal. It's a pretty good week for Philly, right? Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's not, you know, it's 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 they, they need something here, so that's why it's, it's it looks a little bit better than what it is for any other team, right? I mean, it, you know, they got they got the win against Shoreham, a Seattle team, uh, for a team that had been mired in such such a bad run to get four points in a week. Yeah, you, you got to be pretty happy with yeah. that. I mean. Uh, you have to start somewhere. It's so you know, it was it was, it was a crazy game. Uh, obviously, playing in the rain, uh, you're going back and forth there. Piatti with a wide open look in front of goal, and he can't put it away. Uh, can you tell he's on my fantasy team? But um, you know, they, they, <laughs> great week, a good week for Philly, and a bad week. Look, Montreal zero. They two games, two losses. Frank Lopas definitely talked about not wanting to drop, not not wanting to lose two in a row. Um, because things can get definitely turn sour for you in a heartbeat, and uh, now all of a sudden now Montreal is in the slump again. They, 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 they. I still think they're a team that's gonna 
exceed expectations, but this week was not a good week for them in that Philly game. Obviously, the conditions are not ideal. It's all it, it's the you know driving rain and it's slippery and all that. Um, but they need to get it together, man. They're, they're a team that should be. I think they should be doing a bit better than they have been. Uh, and Real Salt Lake and Columbus Crew play to a two-two draw. RSL man needs to take advantage of these opportunities against teams. Got to find ways to win. Um, both teams walk away with a point in this match, and it just. It just seemed fitting for both for this game to end and just in a draw for just both of these sides. So I don't want to say expectations were too high for either of them because I guess we expected them to be where they are right now. But just based off their performance, especially the Columbus Crew last year, and just given how RSL is, it just seems kind of fitting just kind of to where these two teams are for them to end in two two draw. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that. Um, Columbus is not Columbus is not where people thought they'd be. I think I think a lot of people thought Columbus would be much better than they are right now. I mean, I think most people would have had them in the top three in the in the East, especially the way that their season went last year. I mean, they really turned it on late. Obviously, they got smoked by New England in the playoffs, but they were the second-best team in the second half of the season last year next to New England. They just happened to face the hottest team at the time. Um, but, yeah, this is, a, this is a strange one because you got two teams that are not doing as well as they would like. And not getting the results, so you, you know, it was a bit of a crazy game. They'll both take a point out of it. Is it enough for either of them? Not really, but for Columbus, it's okay because you got four points in a week. Um, I think it's a tougher one for RSL. And uh, for I, I got to say, the crew, Ethan Finley. I mean, the guy just keeps getting it done. Yes, he does. He, he's you know in a league where, to be fair. There's not it's not overflowing with outstanding wing play. Like I feel like, you know, wing wing the wing position for a long time has been a bit of a weakness in MLS. Uh he's he's a good one, man. He's legit. He's a good winger. And he's leading the league in assists. Think about this. Right. The crew have the top goal scorer with Kai Kamara, and Ethan Finley is leading the league in assists right now. Yep. Uh yeah, no, but he's he's been great. And I mean at a, at a certain point your inclusion might want to take a look at him. From what I understand, Finley's got he's eligible to play for Canada, uh, and if that's the case, then you know Canada's going to come calling at some point because you know they could use him. Uh, so Finley didn't make it for the Gold Cup, but I, I don't know how much longer Klinsman's going to want to wait on giving him a call. And before we talk a little bit about uh, some hot gossip regarding Major League Soccer transfer talks, we want to remind everyone to go to SoccerLoco.com. If you're looking for a place to pick up some apparel to uh, to get ready for the upcoming fall season, if you're a college player, a youth player, you're just looking to support your national team, SoccerLoco.com, great place to go. One, they're our sponsor. Two, you get a smoking deal. If you enter SBI 10, when you're about to check out, you get 10% off your entire order, which, Ivis, that's a pretty good deal to me, man. Definitely. 10% off. Uh, you know, the summer's right here. The summer is here. Uh, soccer seasons are around the corner, so you definitely want to want to be ready. And uh, and Gold Cup's around the corner. You want to have your, gold, your U.S. men's jersey. And if the women happen to beat Germany in the semis, you could be talking about the U.S. women in the, in the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the jersey yet, you're going to want to get the jersey. So if you're in the market for a jersey... Definitely go check out SoccerLoco.com. Yes, SoccerLoco.com, 10% off. Enter SBI10 at the checkout window. Ivis, stop me if you've heard this headline before. Gio Dos Santos to the LA Galaxy. I feel like I've heard this a million times, but now maybe it looks like it's official. What's going on with this? Well, it hasn't been made official yet, but it is is in the works. And I, I, I have been told and I have heard talking to my people that it, it is something that's in the works and it's something that uh the league is definitely looking to make happen and, and i know the, the the first question people are going to ask is how in the hell can the galaxy add geo de santos when they have robbie Keane, omar gonzalez is a dp steven gerard who's about to get introduced as a dp uh on saturday uh and about to start playing for them that's three right there you there's supposed to be only three dps but Let's, we can't forget now, the league is about to implement a core player uh, slot, which will go towards, you know, signing uh, or, or it's a it's a roster salary slot for, uh, you know, key, key, key pillars for uh, on teams, particularly American players. So you would imagine Omar Gonzalez will slide into that slot and that will leave once they approve it. And they haven't approved it yet. They're going to approve, my understanding. It'll happen this summer. 
Once they approve that, all of a sudden, boom, you put Omar go, you put Omar Gonzalez in that slot if he can, uh, and then you have four, then you have an extra, uh, basically an extra designated player slot. So if they get, if they get DeSantos with to go with Gerard, to go to go oh with my Robbie, gosh. Keen, Robbie Keane, uh, you know Janino, like Legette, who's been an absolutely great signing for them. I mean Jossie's artist, like. I mean, you might want to just start chiseling the, the, their name on the trophy, man. Because I mean, if they get if they get Geo and Gerard together, I mean, they it, that's it's just nuts. It's nuts, but it's great. It's great to see, man. I mean, we need to see more of that. Yeah, and hopefully it happens. I mean, first, yeah, well, look, look. The reason why it's important too is having a bona fide Mexican national team player who has who's been contributing for years. Okay, check right there. He still plays for the team check and has still been very good for the team. So you have all three of those. You have a Mexican star coming to play in Major League Soccer. Also, nice I hear the, oh, my gosh, is Liga MX having problems now? Their stars are going to Major League Soccer. i kidding. But still, having him in Major League Soccer, I think that's awesome, man. And hopefully this happens because I would love to see him play every single week. No, it'd be great. It'd be absolutely great if he can be in the league. And what's funny is, you get you get your occasional like U.S. fans that'll say, "Oh, well, you know, do we want? Let's not bring these Mexican players here." Yes, you, you do want him. That's stupid no, no, for people to say that. Well, no, 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 but it's you know, it's obviously the whole the rivalry thing and the fact, especially that Gio DeSantos has been an absolute terror for the U.S. But you know what? Once the guy comes and plays and does well, people forget that stuff. Cuauhtémoc Blanco, I mean, people hated this guy before he came to MLS, like loathed the guy. And guess what? Once he started playing for Chicago, Chicago Fire, you didn't hear any Chicago Fire fans saying, "Oh, I'm not going to root for this guy." They root for him because he was he was great for them. So, if Gio DeSantos comes here and is great here, uh, LA Galaxy fans are all going to love him, whether they're U.S. fans or not. And I think everyone in the league is going to appreciate having him in the league because it helps the league, it helps the profile of the league, mm-hmm. it helps the quality of the league, and it's also going to set that bar even higher for everyone in the league to step their games up and you, and, and you're going to let teams know like you just can't get by uh, not signing not signing bigger players. And obviously not everybody can sign five, six, seven million dollar players or multiple of them like, you know, like some Toronto and well, RCFC. Well, okay, but that brings up an interesting, interesting question though. Is this now going to be a sign of the league where you have teams like L.A., uh, the New York teams, Toronto, Portland, Seattle, as being, and you can maybe throw an Orlando City in there, that having this kind of the top tier where they have the money. Then you have this huge drop off to the rest of the league. I- I'm wondering if that's going to be troublesome, though. It, you know what? It's an issue, but at the same time, you know what? If you're an owner in this league and you don't have the money to keep up, then you should sell your team. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? It, 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 how many? I don't know how many poor people are in the are owning teams in the league. I mean, I know Philly fans think their their owners broke, right? So, but aside from that, uh, these teams have money and they have to spend money to keep up. Now, we're not saying I'm not sitting here saying every team needs to go sign three DPS and a core player, right? And and spend you know fifty days of not having any DPS. That's I mean, it's just. There's no really excuse for it because I think I think now every there's no excuse for for every team not having at least one, preferably two at least. I mean, this is what it is for the league. If you want the league to grow and truly grow, you need to bring in more quality. And 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 I think that obviously there there was this time uh, for for a lot of years for you know had a good handful of years where teams did well did okay with not having the big money guys and the teams that did add those players didn't necessarily win but i think we've already moved beyond that now we moved beyond the rsl uh bargain contender model like that's not happening anymore so it's a message to everybody that you know what we're we're on to a new era in mls and you got to spend money yeah you can you can still kind of do that dc you could say dc united is kind of doing that right what are they what is are they winning mls cup when it comes down to it no but 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 i'm just i I, look i'm not like i said that's why i hesitated when i said that but i'm just saying that dc is getting the job done right now with no marquee international players not the year's not over i know that's why i was hesitant when i said that i wasn't crowning them yet you can win some games but winning titles and really packing in the stadium are they selling out rfk are they selling out on the road? Are they going to sell out their new stadium whenever the hell it's built? I can guarantee you they're going to go get some players once that's, once the stadium is sorted out and they're actually going to open that place. You don't think they're going to have DPs on the DC United roster when that stadium opens? Absolutely. But 
yeah, fine. DC is a good example of a team that could still put it. You know, they put a nice veteran team together. Mm-hmm. They're not spending. They, they kind of had to go that route because obviously the ownership is has already lost so much money playing at RFK. But unless they actually win, then it's all. Then who cares if they if they don't win an MLS Cup? Then it's all. Who cares if you win, finish first in the Eastern Conference? That's what happened last year. You think anyone cares that they finished first in the East last year? So for me, I just I'm just saying. Not, I'm not saying everyone needs to go spend a million, a hundred million dollars, but I don't know. For me, I just think if the league's gonna really take that next step to be even heading towards being a top league in this world, you gotta you gotta have all the all your team spending some money. Well, we will be paying attention to this and some other moves that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks of guys coming over to teams that already have three DPs. We'll be paying attention to this as it goes on. Tonight, Ivis marks the first games of the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup. You have four games tonight, four games tomorrow. You have some great matchups. The two teams that are not in Major League Soccer that are still in it. You have the Cosmos taking on the Red Bulls. That will be in Red Bull Arena on July 1st. USL side, Charlotte Independence taking on the Chicago Fire. But the big match, though, Cosmos, New York Red Bulls. I mean, look, if the Red Bulls defeat the Cosmos, you could say they are the kings of New York soccer. Could you not? Uh, Defeating NYCFC and the Cosmos in one week? Come on. Yeah, but they, they lost to the Cosmos last year. Those are just details. This is a new uh, year, yeah. Ivis. Come on. Why are you bringing up old stuff? Mm, I'm just saying. Like, it's, <laughs> it, then it's it's tied then. It's tied if they win. So I, I, I'm curious to see, man, because it, it's not going to be easy for them to get to, to turn right back around uh, off a real intense game against NYC on short rest and have to play a very well-rested Cosmos team. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is setting up for, for a bit of a trap for them. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, uh, you know. I think I think the Cosmos are right for the win here. I mm. right for the upset. I, I do. Mm. I, I really think so because uh, this is what this is all they're playing for right now, and this is what they've been circling the calendars for. Marco Senna's back and healthy. He he didn't play against NYCFC. Now he's gonna he should play in this game. They're playing on grass, so hopefully, I mean, I think this is gonna be a good game. I want to see what the turnout's gonna be. That for me is the biggest thing. What kind of crowd will we see? Because U.S. Open Cup crowds at Red Bull Arena. Have 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 traditionally been absolutely terrible, and obviously that's you know you're talking about midweek game, uh, short notice. But this Cosmos game has been on the books now for a couple of weeks. People have to know how important this game is, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they need to sell the place out, and I know they're not going to sell the place out, but they need to have a they need to have a good solid turnout there to give their team support. Because I can tell you what I guarantee you that the, that Cosmos fans are gonna are are gonna show up. Cosmos fans are going to be in Red Bull Arena, and and they're going to be rocking. And it, and if Red Bulls fans don't come out, uh, you know what? They, they it could it could end up hurting their team. This is going to be a great game. Uh, the Red you, Bulls should be win. There. You'll be there. I'll be there. Red Bull Red Bull should win, but I don't know, man. I don't know. The Cosmos, they're they're a good team, and I don't think people realize just how much better they are. Uh, some other intriguing matchups. Uh, San Jose playing host to the Galaxy. So for the Galaxy, they don't have to go anywhere after uh, losing to San Jose this past weekend. They get, to, uh, they get to stay in Northern California and just hang out for a few more days. I know. Talk about short turnaround time. So, uh, you know, it, it, how will L.A. respond? Uh I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to go San Jose again. I mean, it's yeah, so, LA so, so, will. I'm gonna say LA will win this one. Yeah. Well, you are. Hey, look. I, I, I'm gonna defer to you because in this series, you're you're one and zero so far because you did pick San Jose to win uh, on Sunday on yeah. Saturday. Yes, I did. Um, LA has the depth. They have the depth that if this is a matchup of teams, uh, if if both teams decide to use their reserves or use you know rest some of their starters to to kind of keep it from. From just being an overwhelming run uh, of of games, uh, I, I, I think LA will have the edge. I think LA has more depth than San Jose. So yeah, I could you know what I could see LA winning. I could see LA winning, but it's tough, man. San Jose at home, they're tough. Uh, some other matchups: uh, Real Salt Lake's at home against the Portland Timbers. So sorry, Portland Timbers. fans, you know you're Timbers. Gonna, Timbers. What I say, Tim Timbers. No, I'm just saying. I'm going Timbers. You're going Timbers? No way, man. RSL yeah. at home against Portland. Portland's done. You can cross them off all right now. That's that's an easy one. That's the easiest <laughs> okay. one this weekend. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go Timbers, man. Mm. I think they want to win. I think they want to win the whole. And thing. and some other ones. I mean, you look. You got Sporting Kansas City, FC Dallas. That's in Kansas City. 
Um, yeah. If Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids. I mean, does anyone care about this one? If you're not a Ooh, fan of these an, two teams, that's, that's an ugly one. I'm gonna go Dynamo, but the, yeah, I don't. I don't Which, know. Okay, show. here, here's a question: What's worse, Dynamo Rapids or Fire Charlotte Independence? Why are you, why are you hating on Charlotte Independence, man? Well, I'm rooting for them. They're third tier, so there you go. Yeah, I like I like that one. That's a nice battle, MLS versus you know, like I like that one. I like that one all day. I'll take that. I, I'd watch that over or over Houston, <laughs> Colorado any day of the week. So, uh, and I, you know what, Chicago man, the way they're playing, you know what, it, they could be primed for the upset. There. They could. I, like I said, I owe, you know me, man. When the Open Cup comes around, I always root for the uh, for the lower division team. So you know, you know who I'm cheering. You know, I'll be cheering for the Cosmos and I'll be cheering for the Independents. Uh, two other matchups that will be played tonight. Um, Union and DC United. Uh, that game's in the that game's uh, at home for Philadelphia, and then you also have Orlando City taking on the Columbus Crew. That is tonight as well, and that game will take place in Orlando. Yeah, I'm gonna go Orlando and uh, DC. Yeah, I mean, I guess I gotta go. Yeah, although I mean, I don't know, man. If I'm Philly. Realistically, look, they're not going to make the playoffs, but maybe they can make a run in the Open Cup. But yeah, I got to go DC, like I'll they did DC last now. year, then flame out in the final game. Mm, why you got to go there though? <laughs> this is, you're just yeah. Why, why am crush, I why am I bringing up old stuff? Crushing Philly today. You're crushing Philly. All right. Uh, yeah. No, nah, we'll go. We'll go DC and uh, Orlando. All right, Ivis, moving on to uh, to something that hits uh, close to home for a lot of people who listen to this show. That's regarding the youth system in America and the lack of compensation to clubs. The way it works is like this around the rest of the, rest of the world. Youth clubs develop players. When their players get sold to other teams, the youth club receives financial compensation for that player. That does not happen here in America. And right now, Crossfire Premier, which is based in the Pacific Northwest, they had DeAndre Yedlins for a significant, uh, for, for, for a time period when he was a youth player. Crossfire Premier did not receive any compensation because that's how it works in American soccer. Crossfire Premier is now going after FIFA and asking for compensation. The question, though, Ivis, will this change anything in American soccer if they're able to get some money by going to FIFA? And do they have any legs to stand on regarding this case of them taking it to FIFA? Well, this I gotta say, man, this this is a very very interesting case, um, and it's an issue that, that that you know those who follow youth soccer in the country are aware, have been aware of the fact that this is this is how it is, that in the U.S. team cl- youth clubs do not receive training compensation like they do in the rest of the world, and what's make what makes this case very interesting is the fact that Tottenham, the team that did buy Yedlin. Was ready to give them was ready to pay the compensation and actually paid the training compensation that Crossfire Crossfire was supposed to receive, but MLS kept it. MLS has it. MLS received it, and and right now it's not it's not looking really good. It's it, it, it Crossfire has it looks like they have a pretty good case in this, but it's still going to come down to FIFA, and if FIFA uh, backs backs their play and 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 decides that. Yes, the way the setup is in America is not is not how it should be. And if FIFA decides that, then it's going to really shake things up quite a bit because obviously MLS has chosen to, to, to want it this way and U.S. soccer has gone along with it. And, and what, I, what I think is interesting is it's not as if necessarily MLS is going to lose tons of money because MLS is also they've been a victim of their own of their own rules because you have MLS players. That go on to other clubs and they and, and they don't receive any money. I mean, you could you could think about the pipeline going down to Club Tijuana, of of youth of youth stars that like Paul Ariola, who have gone down to, to Tijuana, or all the players that have gone over to Europe. Uh, th- this needs to change. I mean, I happen to think it needs to change. I think most people, a lot most people that are familiar with the situation, believe it needs to change because you know what, you need to get you want to give youth teams incentive for developing players right you you want to uh you want them to, de- to you want them to develop players and maybe that's part of the problem right mls probably sees youth clubs as competition and they want their academies to kind of dominate everything so if once you have training compensation being a part of the whole thing then maybe these other youth clubs can get stronger and 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 they don't want that i mean i, I, don't, I don't know if that's what what's really driving this but I think it's silly, man. I think I think if a club develops a young player and that player goes on to be a million dollar, multi million dollar player, absolutely they should get paid. 
What do you think, man? I know you. I know you. I know you agree with that. What do you give me? What do you think? I think they should. Um, you know, it's 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 an interesting. I don't know. It's and I find some people where you know they they come in and they say, well, you know, the parents one's paying for the kid and and this and that. You know, it's it's look the the club deserves something if if they spent the time developing the player and, and it brings up even more questions too when a lot of these MLS teams are now setting up residency programs um you know who gets that money and that's my other question too i mean with some of these things i, I know that and i don't want i'm not going to name names but i know some of the mls clubs they're not bankrolling the whole academy system i, I know there's some outside people assisting in, in some of the payments so um you know does, does the person behind the door who who no one knows are they gonna i mean do, do they get a share of the piece or does the club get the whole share of the piece how does that work i mean to me it's, it's really complicated but i don't know Man, I, it's a pandora's box yeah it it's, is it's and, definitely a pandora's no it box. definitely is and and, uh, and just a part of me just kind of finds the whole setup interesting where where you know players who are in college who are part of academy systems then then can then go off and play for PDL teams and NPSL teams and let's say they play in the Open Cup which is a professional competition then then they can go and play against you know M- MLS teams in their home stadiums I don't know man it's and it's the whole amateur status thing then that that goes back to college can you play the college players but they have to maintain their amateur status I mean like you said it's a Pandora's box man I mean it's not as simple as just me waving a magic wand and it all makes sense it's it's not that simple but yeah, there's I mean, a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to it. Uh, and having it, it, w- one thing that I'm curious about is, okay, it's fine for for youth teams to feel like they, that they that they should receive compensation yeah. for players that they develop. But now, where is that money going to go? Because I know I know the easy the, the ideal answer is, oh well, that money will go back into developing players. It will hopefully bring down uh, fees, and 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 eventually, I, in an ideal world, uh, maybe it, it ends up being a case where where those kind of compensation fees can help pay for these youth clubs, and then we can get rid of the pay to play, get rid of the pay to play model. But that I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a little idealistic because I tell you what, it's it's do we do we know for a fact that these youth teams are going to reinvest that money, or is it just yeah. going to be more money for the coaches and the and the and the people who run these organizations? So that's I mean, it's all there's a lot of questions there. But I, this is what I would say: I think it needs to happen. Because I think it will create more competitiveness around the country, and not only on the youth club side, but let's say let's say you're a USL team, and you know that if you create if you set up an academy, and you de- start developing talent, you're going to receive some compensation for it. All of a sudden, USL teams can have legitimate academies because it's worth then it's worth their while. Because otherwise, it's not worth their while. I mean, you can you can recall. Uh, in the in NASL, San Antonio had an academy, and now they and then they shut it down. And you can you can understand why because hey, you know what? If they're not going to make any money out of it, um, and the it, and the it, academy teams are expensive to run too. It's not like it's I mean it's 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 about a half a million dollars to run a proper academy minimum minimum half a million to run an academy. It's not cheap, right? So uh, it, it's but I, I mean I think training compensation would go a long way to 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 make to creating more opportunities. Uh, for young players, and and it would I think it create uh, a more competitive environment because it can't just be where MLS teams have so much of an advantage mm-hmm. over everyone else, and 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 I think maybe and that's probably why. Or is doing what they can to keep that from being the case, and what I think and what I do find a little interesting, and I, and I was going to tweet it, I was going to write it, but I I do think it's interesting that. A league that prides itself on player development and prides itself on everything that they're investing in the in the youth, in their youth academies would be so hesitant to to be involved in a system that rewards teams that do a good job of developing talent, right? Because mm-hmm. you can say, oh, they're going to lose money on fees, but they can also gain money on fees because then you know what? Then it'll put that much more pressure on these academies to start developing talent because it can't just be. Where you know DeAndre Yellen's like the one player so far that I can think of that well. There's been two. There's been Yellen and Andy Nahar, two players, academy players who've been sold. And and in how many years of academies being MLS academies being in existence? Mm, I think not, they're in not, their seventh year this year. Yeah, it's been a while, and that's not a great track record. So 
I think you know what it will anything, get. Be- it will get better though. It will yeah, get better. You know, we be we keep hearing that. I'm, keep I'm, hearing I'm calling it, Ivis. It, it yeah, will get better. It, starting with this U, starting with this U20 age group. I've I've a feeling yeah, that we're going to start seeing. It's gonna, of course, it's getting better, but there's a difference between a trickle of improvement and a considerable improvement. And we're talking top to bottom. We're not talking about a t a couple of guys. We're talking about like a half dozen kids who are great. This is a nice little class of guys who are going to be great for this next U20 cycle. I'm talking about. More, like teams around the league developing top end prospects, and that's not happening. There's a lot of clubs right now that have youth academies that just are not carrying their weight. There's no other way to say. No, it. No, that's true. No, they're exactly right. I mean, but then part of it then goes back to the. Co- I don't know if there's enough coaching in this country to develop all that talent. They said. They said this. This is this. This conversation maybe, could be a whole well, show. Maybe there, is, maybe there is coaching in this country, but mm, they're just not getting the opportunities to coach. Man. Maybe that's what it is. But I just don't think there's enough good coaching around. I just. <laughs> I just don't think maybe there is. They, well, I, I, well, I think there is coaching in this country, and just maybe they're not necessarily tied into the you know establishment in this country. So there you go. That's true. I mean, I coach my co-ed team. I'm pretty good at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It's a Pandora's box. So much we could talk about it, but I'm sure everyone's falling asleep by now. Yeah. No, no, no. I think people care about this. I mean, it's I, no, the it's future of American problem. soccer. And, and you know what? And, and, and you and I will pay attention to this, and, and we'll definitely follow it as it progresses. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about it as it goes further. Right. And look, credit, definitely credit to, to uh, SI's Live You Bird, who, who wrote the really detailed, definitive piece. Mm-hmm. On this, on the, on the whole situation and uh, and the lawsuit, and uh, I mean, I would say just one last thing. I'd say it, there is something a little that feels a little off about club teams receiving fees from young players and then wanting money for for them when they develop. Um, and I know it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing where uh, how, how can they run an academy if they don't charge fees? And so that I, I don't know. I feel like. It's, there's something I don't want to say dirty, but it just something feels wrong that they're forced that these kids have to pay to even be part of this academy, and then on top of that money they're paying, these academies then want to get to get a piece of the pie if those players happen to develop. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't think that's an ideal situation because again, around the world that's not how it goes. Around the world, you have youth academies tied to pro teams, and 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 thereby. Those are the teams that receive compensation, and those players aren't playing. You, La Ma, Barcelona's academy is not charging players to play in its academy, and I think more and more MLS teams are now not. Char- I think most MLS teams uh, are not charging, but outside of MLS, it's still mostly a pay-to-play model. And as we all know, that that really isn't an ideal yeah. setup. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about this as the as this goes forward. I mean, because because this conversation could be for an entire show just talking academy and all that stuff uh we'll move on though ivis um tonight the u.s women's national team will be looking to advance to the final of the women's world cup standing in their way is going to be a very tough german side there is some positives going into this match germany has a handful of injuries they're also coming off 120 minutes against france the u.s women Things looking pretty good for them. They defeated China last week, 1-0. to You have Megan Rapino coming back. Amy Rodriguez looked pretty outstanding. The defense has been solid. I think this is going to be a great game, and I don't think we should be surprised just based off the performances from the U.S. women so far throughout the World Cup if they're able to defeat Germany. I don't think that should be at all. I think the U.S. has a good opportunity tonight to defeat Germany and move on to the final of the Women's World Cup. They're going to lose. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what is wrong with you? I build this high, and then you just crush yeah, well, it. I'm just keeping it real, man. I just think I don't see them winning this game. And if they win, if they actually, I just don't. They are going to have to play so much better than they have played in this tournament to win this game. That it is by no means a stretch to say they are not going to win this game. I'm not saying they can't win this game. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying my pick is they're going to lose. And why am I picking it? I'm picking them to lose because they have not shown me in this tournament that there's a reason for me to pick them. There is none. Germany has been much, much better. And you could argue, yes, France was better than Germany in their quarterfinal. By all by all measure, France could have easily been there. Yes, but again, France, for me, France is a better team than this U.S. team. So if this U.S. team takes it to a level we haven't seen yet in this tournament – could they win? Yes. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, now they're going to flip a switch and play on a completely different level against 
best team in the world. I, you know what? I don't see it happening. The injuries could help. The injuries to Germany could help. Fatigue could help. Yes, sure. But I'm still going to pick Germany. And if I, I'd like to see the U.S. win, but I just I, only if they're actually going to play at a level. I'm at so everyone can call me anti-American now. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, look if the U.S. can stay organized, like they look. The, the question for me is going to be the midfield battle, and we've talked about this throughout the entire women's run for the U.S. women throughout the World Cup. Is it's just the lack of a player in the midfield who can say I could put the T line back. Having Meg Rapino coming back is huge. She's on the wing. I mean, the, the U.S. midfield needs to play lockdown, perfect for ninety minutes against Germany and hopefully be able to find a goal and then lock it down after that. And I hate to say park the bus, but to me, that that's probably the best chance the U.S. women are probably going to have if they can oh, do that. Oh, really? Park the bus? And what, play for penalties? No, no. Score, sc- get, get a goal, push, 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 get a goal, and then just hold on for dear life. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much how they're going to have to win. I, and even then, uh, uh, I don't know, man. Germany's tough. Germany's such a tough team. But you know what? Here's you know who it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to Jill Ellis, and whether or not she can come up with the right game plan, the right lineup to get to to beat Germany. It's going to be up. I mean, obviously the players have to perform, no doubt. The players have to step up. But she had, and I feel like I said it last before the knockout rounds. She has to coach. She has to show us that she can 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 you know pull the strings and make the right calls and. Uh, if she does, then she'll get all. She'll get a ton of credit. But as, as of right now, man, we haven't seen it in this tournament. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And tonight, U.S. women taking on Germany. Remember, if you're looking to support the U.S. women's national team, you can pick up a jersey or any gear and apparel at SoccerLoco.com. You get S- you get 10% off your entire order when you enter SBI10 at SoccerLoco.com, especially with the U.S. men's uh, ready to games coming up, ready to compete in the Gold Cup. You're looking to represent them. Great opportunity to gear up, get ready for the fall, even if you're a college player, youth player, and you're looking for some cleats, T-shirts, socks, chin guards, anything you need. SoccerLoco.com, enter SBI10 at the cart window. Speaking of you being anti-American, there are reports coming out <laughs> that Peru is playing the U.S. in D.C. in September. Ivis, how un-American are you going to be in this game? Un-American? What are you talking about? I will be reporting on the game. I will be there in a professional pro in, uh, role. Funny enough, they haven't played in 15 years. I actually covered the last time they met, and which was in the 2000 Gold Cup down in Florida. I it was one one like one of the uh, first. It was in like in like the first 10 national team matches I ever covered. Uh, and it, you know, and it's fine. And just to make it clear, right? Uh, as a journalist, <laughs> as a sports writer, as a soccer writer, I can't say I'm a hardcore fan of any teams. And there's teams I like to watch, but if there's a team that I can say I'm like. At, like tied to like uh it, it, like emotionally i would say it's peru only because like i know my like my fam like all i have most of my family's in peru i know they root for peru i root for peru watching them against chile in the semifinal of the copa america was probably one of the most like intense games that for me to watch as a fan that i've ever watched because you know normally when i watch games like i, I you know i'm trying to be impartial i'm impartial even the us when they're in the world cup like i'm trying to be you know, try to stay impartial, but uh, yeah, no, I definitely got I got completely amped up in that in that Chile Peru game. I was it was nuts, it was nuts. But back to this game, it's going to be a good test for the U.S. And, and it's funny because I joke when when they the rumors first started about this uh, potential friendly, I thought, eh, you know, this is a nice step down from Germany and the Netherlands, right? I mean, when you're talking about top ten teams in the world, but they're going to be a tough matchup. Anyone who watched Copa America saw Peru, and Peru impressed at the, at Copa America. You could argue that if not for that red card in the game against Chile, it, we, it could have been a whole different story. Um, but when it comes down to it, a good test for the U.S., and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And anytime you can get down, anytime you see the U.S. play in D.C., it's usually a great atmosphere. Um, few things, Iris, before we wrap up today's show. Um, looking at transfer news, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, but this is more international transfer news. Uh, Peter Cech leaving Chelsea to go to Arsenal. How could he do that? Can you believe it? Well, how could they let him go? 
that's the question. It's not a, he he's got look, he has to play, right? I mean, the guy is one of the top goalkeepers in the world still. And obviously Chelsea has Thibaut Courtois who is absolutely one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So he has to go. Now could now if could he have stayed? Possibly. Could they have made it worth his while to stay? Possibly, but you know what? When you're Chelsea, you're trying to win every title you can you can imagine, and you you have a goalkeeper that can generate a sizable transfer fee that you could then turn around and use to help you acquire other pieces. You make the deal, and you know, will it come back to haunt them? Absolutely, could Arsenal could challenge them for a title, but right now Chelsea's looking ahead. They're look. They, obviously, I'm sure they want to compete for the Champions League. Uh, and and they have players they want to buy, so it's a sad day because Czech is so is so tied to our is so tied to Chelsea. Um, but I think we're starting to get used to this, right? I mean, hey, if you could see Frank Lampard scoring for for Man City against Chelsea, all bets are off, right? That's true. Uh, also, other transfer news: staying in England, uh, there are reports coming out that Manchester United have put in a bid uh, for Sergio Ramos. This probably one would be great for their defense, also adding someone who's a little bit tougher for them. I mean, what do you make of this move, possibly Ramos going to Manchester United? It would be huge for them. And obviously, you know, if if Man U is going to lose David De Gea, as expected, to Real Madrid, um, it would be a nice kind of buffer for for them if they can bring back Ramos, who's one of the best defenders in the world. Um, Is Real Madrid going to go for that? I'm not so sure. And I know people are going to ask, uh, why would Ramos leave Madrid for Man U? And it's money. It comes out of money. Man U can pay him twice as much as Real Madrid pays him. So if you're Ramos, why wouldn't you go, right? I mean, I, I know you could say he's won. He's already won everything there is to win at Madrid. Why not try a new challenge at Manchester United? And if Man U can add, if they can land him, uh, that's a big, big step for them towards trying to get up back up into that championship contender rarefied air. Uh, in the Copa America, Peru is finally done. Moment of <coughs> silence for them, Ivis. Hey, Amen. They went out swinging. <laughs> they, they, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the referee was paid off. Oh but, my, uh, this <laughs> guy, this guy. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, no. You know what? It was an unfortunate red card. I know people. I know. I, I think more. I think most people agree that it was a very harsh call. I think what I don't think was talked about enough on the red card is the fact that the Chilean player. Seem to back, seem to intentionally back into that Peruvian defender, knowing that he was going to kick the ball out and hoping that he would initiate contact. Chile, Chilean players, we've seen it all tournament. They're a very slick team. They're very, they, I mean, aside from being a very good team, they also they, they do a lot of sh- you know tricky stuff, a lot of you know diving and pretending to be hit and all that like it is all uh, that stuff yeah, checking the and, oil and other things like well, that well yeah we're not even into that but uh but yeah so i i don't know uh, it is unfortunate peru is playing it very well before the red card uh and i will never know what happened to them but chile you know what like i said they're worthy a worthy finalist i, I i'm not i'm still hoping argentina beats them in the final even though argentina's still not in the final they play tonight in the semis against paraguay uh, hopefully they take care of business, and hopefully we get Argentina Chile on Saturday, and I absolutely will be rooting for Argentina. Even though, yes, as I said, as I have said before, my grandmother was actually born in Chile, so you could argue that I have like Chilean bloodlines. But I'm sorry, man, I I, I do not. I, I'm going to root for Argentina if they're in the final. Well, Argentina plays Paraguay, as you mentioned tonight, and look. All jokes aside, though, Peru. I mean, that's a fabulous run for them, Ivis, to at least possibly finish third in the Copa America. That's great. Top four finish for them. That's great. Ex- a- absolutely. And think about it. They were in a group with, with Brazil and Colombia when, when the groups were when the groups were drawn. Like they not they, there wasn't much. They weren't given much of a chance, and they ended up finishing ahead of Colombia, and then they got to the semis. So you know, hats off to them. Hats off to their coach Gareca, who did a really good job. And you know, future's bright, man. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, look, South America's tough. I mean, Bolivia looked. Pre- I mean, like, you know, Bolivia had a good tournament. Paraguay, you know, still having a good tournament. Imagine if they beat Brazil Argentina. Brazil is a mess. Oh, Brazil's. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, Dunga's. I mean, I don't know if he's been. Dunga will be fired again. Uh, I don't know. I think they need. They need to go get Pep Guardiola, man. They need to get him to coach Brazil. I think he once said he wants. He'd like to coach Brazil, and I think they need to make that happen sooner than later. <laughs> he can choose. <laughs> can he can coach be, yeah, and I say at that level, you can just pick it. Yeah, it's. Oh. 
Amazing. Amazing. All right, Ivis. With that, it wraps up today's SBI show. Anything else we uh, we need to break down before before I let you go for the week? I think we got it all, man. I think this is, I think this is a pretty long show, but uh, we covered a lot of covered a lot of ground and uh we'll be back later in the week to talk open cup results Mm -hmm. women's world cup results Mm -hmm. uh u.s men's against guatemala yeah yeah when is that that's on friday that's on friday yeah we're gonna have to drop a show friday morning so that's a preview the game yeah definitely stay tuned for that and uh and yeah it's a great it's gonna be a great week yeah it is all right Ivis. well you enjoy the rest of uh the rest of your week and uh and i'll touch base with you later and uh and yeah, then enjoy your week. <laughs> too, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. That is Ivis Kolarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.